Hey guys, how are you? Great. Ah! Are, you, are you pretending to be one Come of on. our co-hosts, John Holmberg? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. That was too weird. Which one to look at? <laughs> the Caliendo Cast with Frank Caliendo, John Holmberg, Scott Long, and the rest of the Caliendo crew. It's the most important podcast in the history of Western civilization. So uh, it's uh, me, John Holmberg, uh, Scott Long, and then you are the guest, Harlan Coben. So I want to, and we already lost one. (laughs) (laughs) That was enough for him, man. He's had enough of me. No, I'm going to be honest with you. This is one of the best starts he's had. Um, <laughs> there have been times where you don't Megan know. Megan started vacuuming right in the middle of that. Like oh, right that are, are you in your studio? It looks like you're on a boat or something like that. Me, I'm on Jerry studio? Jones's yacht. Oh, no, him. He's, uh, he's in a, John is in his field house dedicated to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. It's just a bar I built on my house that's loaded with this stuff and Steelers nonsense and we have parties when the Steelers season gets going and gets a little crazy in here. Wow. In, Ar- in Arizona? Yes, sir. Okay. I took it with me. I grew up it. with me. I took it with me. You got to keep it. Got it. All right. All right. So, Harlan, I want to I get into it this way because I, um, I started doing more research on you, which I probably should have done. I think I, I don't know how we first connected. I, I believe it was on Twitter. And it was, I look back and it was maybe, I think it was 2014. And it was after, I, I don't know if I'd reached out to you before that or something, because I'm a blue check mark whore. When I see one of those blue check marks, <laughs> I like immediately follow somebody if they have enough followers. And I've, got, I've, I've gotten away from that some, but I realized that's what I was doing. And, a verified whore. I love it. Yeah, that. I mean, it's, <laughs> I've, I've, come to, I've come to grips with some of my issues, and that's one of them. I didn't realize I even had it until I, I was looking through. I would do these things on Twitter where I'd like, have followbacks. If you retweet this, I'll follow you back. And then you have all these people that couldn't care less about you right. in life. Right. But if they had a blue check mark, I found out I, I was following a lot of weathermen too. Uh, I don't know what <laughs> they, they seem to be the most active that like some of my skits. But I look back and it was after the HBO thing and a Mike and Mike back in like 214 in our DMs from um, on Twitter. And uh, it was interesting to see that I, I, because I did, I'm not a reader and I didn't want to pretend that I was a reader for this particular podcast because I don't know how many of people are readers right. um, that listen to us. Uh, and part of it is because I'm, I, I have difficulty. John talked about this as well before you came on. I have difficulty even focusing enough to continuously read a passage. And then I, I just got The Boy from the Woods. So I, and I realized this on Twitter. You also offered me like a thing where I could get uh, the books ahead of time three or four, five or six years ago. I'm going to take you up on that now. Um, but uh, so I'm looking at this. Uh, or I'm listening to it, uh, or I'm reading it, I'm realizing, you know, I need to listen to it on tape. Then I listen to it, uh, the audiobook, and I find that my brain's even wandering from that. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to retrain myself to, uh, to deal with this platform because I'm so used to, I'm, honestly, the last book I probably read was Clifford the Big Red Dog. 
and uh, or it's that's how bad it through you made it all the way through i couldn't do uh, it uh, three pages and i drifted into fan fiction and the next thing you know is in space it was over <laughs> but i uh so i'm 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 listening to it um and I, the reason I got, I wanted to do that was a little bit of research, really have something to do because I, I, I want to get into The Stranger, which is what I really love and made me want to even read something. Um, we had uh, Michael Lombardi on the other day who wrote what Scott termed as the greatest football book ever. And uh, I'm going to- Gridiron genius, another New Jersey guy. Yeah. That's, yeah. So uh, in terms of, um, I heard you speaking about when you write a book or what you go for in a book is somebody to, they're going to listen or they start reading it for 15 minutes and then end up not being able to fall asleep because they love it so much. Yeah. That's, I mean, I want the book. First of all, I have the same issues that I, I it probably helps me as a writer where I can't concentrate for long periods of time. So my books move fast and I'm trying to capture you on the first page and, my goal is it's 11 o'clock at night, you hop into bed, you're just going to read for 15 minutes, and you stay up to four or five in the morning. And it's similar. You mentioned Netflix, The Stranger. It's similar with The Stranger. It's like, I want you to keep saying, eh, maybe I'll watch one more episode, I'll finish this one, and at the end you go, well, I'll just click it again, and all eight episodes are gone before you know it. It's kind of what I try to do. If I succeed at it, I don't know, but that's what I try to do if you're by the way, if you listen to the audio, do you know who's doing the audio? Stephen yes. Weber. We're going to get into uh, that later. We have some plans. plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of impressionists. I mean, is this, that's what you call foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. In I'm your just, business. Blowing, I believe in blowing up all the secrets early, so we have to figure out new ones for episode two. Frank, I admire you giving him that literary term. You know, a lot of people don't <laughs> want to do that. But he probably didn't know. I had to look it up beforehand. That's how he bad it is. He was thinking foreskin. And oh. now he realizes that. But when I'm looking at the two of your heads, yes. It is. It is. If we got together, we can make a... We made a huge... I don't know how to do it on the Brady Bunch thing. How about that? So, in t also in finding out that... Now I've got... This is terrible. Oh, my. <laughs> you can't... Puff out your cheeks, you'll be me. Just do that. So I also didn't realize, I, I said this to the guys before you came on too. I said, I had no idea Harlan was this successful. I mean, I, I remember texting you or messaging you on Twitter one time. Now I feel like such an idiot because I'm like, hey, I just saw one of your uh, stand-up <laughs> logo things uh, of the, uh, for the new book in the airport, uh, you know, uh, the store at the airport. And I'm thinking, God, you are probably in every airport store. You're probably at all the bookstores. And I'm, I'm telling you about, hey, I'm in Charlotte. You're not going to believe what I saw, Harlan. <laughs> I love seeing it every single time, man. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I still get a kick yeah, out Frank, of it. You know, yeah, Harlan has 75 million books in print. I'm not 75 million. Yeah. So, Frank, you like to think of Twitter followers and stuff. These are wow. actual books. This is way more impressive, yeah. or more impressive. And, and I'm the reader here, just to give you an idea of what kind of reader I am. I am oh. the, can you read that right there? The uh, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut Humor Award winner for 2019. So obviously my literary uh, qualifications are high, Harlan. If you, wow. if you feel like these guys <laughs> don't read, I know it's impressive. 
Um, but I, I, need to I also know how you won this award, Scott. How did you win this award? I, th- these guys. Wait a second. We've done six episodes about it already. Cut <laughs> five and a half of them. I'll go back. You know, and you know, it, I got it from the funzy. Remember uh, in the Stranger, uh, uh, novelty you, funzy, where, where you could buy things. You know, this is <laughs> like that award is like a award. I got it. Yeah, exactly. I was I was also given this award of most likely to sign fake Harlan Coben uh, autographs at the airport. <laughs> oh wow! Congrats. John, there's a couple of stores I may send you to afterwards to pretend you need to sign some copies that I <laughs> totally I to I on my book tour. So maybe yeah. you could do that for me. I'd appreciate it. You, it's, that's as easy as can be. I'll do that all day. I love fake signing autographs and pretending to be other people. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, the last one he got caught, it was Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Shaq Daddy, you got it. Thanks for asking. That was a great one. I did that once just to butt in. Uh, I was in the Diamondbacks. Of spring training and I'm standing outside and this group of school kids went by and for some reason they thought I was Greg Colbrin a former player of the Diamondbacks I'm like you're Greg Colbrin and I'm like yes I am and I was signing <laughs> baseball after baseball for 15 minutes I don't look anything like that guy I had a, I had a manager named Barry Katz who uh he looked kind of like Dirk Nowitzki and apparently <laughs> he was in Vegas one time and some beautiful girl goes or thought he was Dirk Nowitzki and she was with some guy who just escaped from prison and the <laughs> or not escaped just been let out of prison I think that's a very that's a pretty different story just, just been let out of prison and he comes over and says are you Dirk Nowitzki he's like no he goes pretend you are <laughs> so the woman comes over you Dirk Nowitzki unbelievable yeah I just got done shooting some free throws man it was incredible Heck of a German accent right there, too. So, uh, what I, my main point early on was I had no idea. I started looking at so much you had done, and I want people to know. I mean, you have these deals with Netflix to do television shows. I was listening to interviews. You are a showrunner, executive producer. Also, I didn't, it's weird. I didn't put all this stuff to my into my brain. I guess I saw it, but then I didn't realize. Whoa. And then I thought, wow, we're lucky to have you on the podcast. So yeah, for being a part of it. I really do appreciate I'm a, it. I'm a, I'm a fan, as you know. I've been following you. I, I don't know how I started, but I probably followed you just because I, I like what you do. I think it's, it's hilarious. I told you I was playing with the kids the other day, the uh, nuns video, right. the nuns playing basketball. And for some reason, the line that kills me the most, which you told me just kind of came up with, was when Charles, when Charles Barkley's complaining about their play and he said, and they're nuns. <laughs> <laughs> part of that is because of social distancing. Good. Part of that's because they're social distancing, and part of it's because they're nuns. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a podcast with Shaq yesterday, and we came up with a new character, Trump Shaq, that he let, that's just Donald Trump and Shaquille O'Neal combined. That's the most amazing thing <laughs> in my entire life next to me. It's tremendous and lovely. And I don't cross. He even said this. He goes, why do people say I cross my eyes? I don't ever cross my eyes. And the whole time he was looking at them between each other. <laughs> um, so you, you started out writing. Uh, you, you're a sports fan too, right? Yeah. I, start, I started actually writing a series uh, that if, so, if, they do, if there are any readers in that audience will know my Myron Bolotar series. He was a sports agent who solved crimes. Who's That's basically, kind of look, I, I, mean, I, I got to cut you off because I had this line planned. Okay. He's the Matlock of sports agents, right? Is that, 
<laughs> so, yeah, I kind of always thought of more of the Mannix, I guess. Okay. <laughs> 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 Okay. The Jones was taken, I guess. The Barnaby <laughs> Jones of sports agents. The canon of sports agents was You taken. really, you fit in well with our references. Oh, Island. God. The nice part. Uh, Shillelagh is going to have a great time with some of those. Yeah, we, we hey, have a guy. Uh, the that... Long Street, the Long Street, the Blind <laughs> Yes. The Banachek of uh, Colombo <laughs> sure. of sports I'm a cloud of sports agent. We can keep going. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, so that was sort of my initial intent, and, and I've gone from there. In the last few years, uh, besides writing a, a book every year, I've also had uh, – I've been working with Netflix. So I got three – we have three shows right now on Netflix in America, all limited series. I don't like to do season twos. And a couple more, and a couple more coming in the next uh, – hopefully in the next, within the next few months even. Like you say, you're, you're, you're like me with my, because I'm the same as Frank. I have a problem, not just with focus, but with uh, drifting off, making my own thoughts about the characters that then as I realize I've read two pages, I've written another book in the corner of my head. And I'm like, so what you kind of described earlier was what I call binge reading, which I struggle with because that means that I'm doing it, but I'm, am I following or am I just watching? But how do you know as a writer with that same kind of mind what you've written is worth anything. I've tried writing long stories, long form, and I can't do it because midway through, I'm like, this is awful. I'm all over the road. I can't, if I have to edit like a hundred times, I'll just quit on it. Well, that's actually a good sign. Uh, only bad writers think they're good. We all <laughs> think we suck. Same with comedians, by the way, Harlan. <laughs> Same, totally. Like, but the difference is, with, and I'll let you finish your thought, yeah, but yeah. there are millions of open mic comedians out there, and some of them have been doing it for eight years, where the only time they get, once a month, they get up. But the difference with the writer, at least they're not doing it in public. Right. It's worse with comedians. So I'm glad to hear that. No, please, I'm sorry. You know, we, it's, the hardest part is to get over the paralysis of thinking you suck. But you suck. I mean... Right. Only bad writers think they're good. We all know, like you were saying with comedians or guys who do what you do, if you meet one someone who really thinks they're good at it and willing to tell you that, they suck. We all know that they suck. <laughs> That's a little bit like Twitter and the experts today, right? How many idiots do you see on Twitter who are giving like their opinion on climate climate change or this or virus who haven't even read a book? Talk. I mean, they. they they were idiots. You, know, you were like my seed science student in school. I'm going to take your advice over experts because you read an article someplace. The delusion that you think you know what you're talking about, and it's the same thing with being a writer. Once you know how hard it is, you are going to think you suck. That's natural. If you don't, you're not going to write anything good. I'm my biggest critic. I guarantee you, Frank, even though you goof on the people online who are giving you shit for your Pippin or whatever, that you are your <laughs> toughest critic in terms of making sure you got that voice right. That's oh. just part of what we do. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's – I block them. That's pretty much what it is. I don't know if you can, can – can, <laughs> the writer's block. was so good, though, too. Oh, it was I pretty good. I mean, it, it was, was on so its way. Good. You don't understand what I had to do. I had to – it was so quiet – that I had to boost the sound and then take, press the, you know, put it into a different program to reduce noise. Right. So that's why it sounded a little bit even more crackly than it actually was. I had to do a lot to make it loud enough that people could hear it on Twitter. People don't understand when you do those things. That's a difference between an audio visual medium and maybe there's a, a correlation with the written form. That when I put something out, if you listen to it on headphones on Twitter or you listen to it on AirPods, 
uh, earphones or you listen to it on the speaker on your phone. It sounds different on each of those, completely different. So people that say something that sucks, like one, we all hear things differently. If you're over 30 years old, you don't hear the high tones as much as somebody underneath that age group. If you uh, are listening to the various forms, uh, like I said, you don't know. And I, I'm like, but whatever, listen for the comedy of it. That's what I really care about. Is there something funny to do with it that, uh, that I do with the character? And you, you would, uh, de- another message you'd sent to me is you said, this, that's your formula, right, Frank? You do the impression, but you try to say something funnier than what they actually say. Yeah, that's and- what I think that you, I mean, look, you excel at the voices too. But I think what raises you to the next level, what takes the, the great and turns it somewhat legendary in, what, in terms of what you do, is that you say to yourself as you're listening, that's exactly what the guy would say. That's, you know, it's, that, it's that moment. It's the pause. It's, you know, that's exactly what someone like Charles Barkley, as we were just talking about, would say. But you're being far too kind to the people. Because frankly, if you're someone who is online and you are listening to your impression and you feel that it's your duty <laughs> to then tell you that that impression's not very good. You're a moron. Just move on with your life for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> just say nothing if you don't well, like it. Well, you can, you can even, you can even do, do this. What's wrong with your life? Well, exactly. And you can do this, Harlan. You can complain about somebody and not tag them. Say <laughs> all you want about me and how much you hate me and how bad I am at something. Right. But... The reason yeah. you put the tag of my name in there is so you're hoping that I'll see it. And that's, yeah. the, that's the reason I block people, not because they don't like something. They wanted me to see it. And I just want you to know this, too, because we'll do some stuff later. John is unbelievable with the impressions and uh, really amazing with the content as well. So you'll, we'll probably double up and, and do some crazy. Well, now I'm going to suck. That's yeah, not you can't. <laughs> well, you, know, you can't say how great you are at something. Not, John. It better be good, man. <laughs> yeah, no, see, this is the problem. I could have come on and go, hey, that guy was surprising. Now it's like, yeah, Frank built a puppy. Yeah. Hey, John I, John, I know you feel always like uneasy when Frank does that, and he does it almost every episode. <laughs> Frank's not done it once for me, ever, on this <laughs> show. Yeah, but you and, have to have a reason. And, 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 and I don't feel uneasy, so thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. You don't compliment me in a way, and I'm just kind of here. Well, um, the reason – here's the reason. Hold on. Guys, this is the reason I do it because everybody on the – most people know me when they're a guest on the show, and they don't know John, and that's part of the reason we do the show is for people to learn about John nationally because people in Phoenix will say – Holmberg is way better than Caliendo. Like that's, that's most of our, our Phoenix-based fans go, Holmberg kills Caliendo. And neither of us really care. It's more about the teamwork and the fun of it and what comes out of it. There are things John does way better than me, and there are two things I do better than John. Are you cut out? Two or one. one, one two or one. You're shooting high again. But, um, but the, yeah, so the, that's the reason I really do it is because – most of the Dennis Miller, when he was on, he's like, I mean, uh, the way you come up with this. And I'm like, yeah, but John does that kind of thing too. Who's John? No, the guy over there. Oh, I forgot about him, Chachi. I mean, I'm looking at the guy with the hat who never gets complimented and I can't figure it out. <laughs> Sitting over there like Helen Keller, half the episode, unable to hear speaker. You know. An- another, um, another thing that I heard you talking about that was very interesting to me was the what if when you – you find 
so you, you see something in current times, and I think we do this as comedians a lot, which is why I think when we get to The Stranger and watching that, it's, it's put together in many ways, and maybe, that's, maybe comedy acts are put together like what you do. There are callbacks. You learn about things along the way. But the what if, you, you see something in current society, you say, what if, and then almost, is it almost like a reverse engineering type of situation? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, as opposed to you comedians who do a number of what ifs and use them, I one time got to walk through Central Park doing an interview with Jerry Seinfeld and got to sort of watch him do it. You know, as he's walking along, he's like, what? Now, what's that guy doing? Why is he walking in the water over there? He's going to fall through the you know. <laughs> and that's sort of what I'm doing the same kind of a thing. So uh, in the case of a, a case of The Stranger, just to, to I know we're, I'm not jumping the gun, but The Stranger, I saw an article that somebody had faked a pregnancy using a website. So I'm looking it up and it's like, holy shit, this website actually has fake bellies, fake sonogram tests. No matter what water or pee hits the test, it comes out positive. I'm like, this is demented. What, what if? What if I'm sitting at, 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 a, at a, uh, my kid's uh, lacrosse practice and a stranger just comes up to me and says, you know, your wife wasn't really pregnant. She was just faking it that last time. Here's the proof she went to this website. And that was, the, that was the little seed that became, that's our thing that other secrets you could have on the internet. And it goes on and on. Now, I just described three months of work to you in four seconds, but that's kind of how it works, asking a million times, what if, what if, until stuff starts to form in my head. It also hey, helps if that person is really, really pretty. That's another <laughs> thing. Well, yeah. yeah. Hey, so I was telling Frank before, I did not, I had not watched it and I'm not a binge watcher of TV. I'd be more of a binge book person. That's once again, why I probably got the award that I'd like to show later. But the, the but point the would be- Monica, that, You didn't get the yeah, Kurt Vonnegut Did I mention award, that you? again? No. <laughs> Hold on, we gotta isolate that and play that over and over. <laughs> Harlan Coben, you didn't get the Kurt Vonnegut Award, did you? Proud to display it in his mobile home right now. For yes, well, know. very similar. Soon, if comedy doesn't come back. Right above the commode. Ahead, so sorry. what I would what I try to speak to is is that I thought now I don't even feel like I want to say it to you, but I felt like this is one of the five best series I've ever seen on Netflix. I started watching it yesterday and I just I mean I loved it. I could not stop watching it. And one thing's interesting, your books are in New Jersey, but yes. the, you've done two series. So I'm gonna watch the safe now. Safe and they're the both in England. Five, which is also by the same team in the UK, yeah. Okay, so you have to adjust the writing to fit England versus New Jersey. And I read some of your, one of your books to get a feel, and I'm going to read some more of those. My point was the characters seem tougher in New Jersey, but they seem smarter in England <laughs> because of their voice. Is, have you ever thought about that? No, I'm watching it. That's the way I look at it. The dumb guys seem smart in England. Yeah, because they, they, they speak with an English accent. So right. So how, how did you adjust for that when you first wrote the first one that was English versus Jersey? Yeah, the, I mean, I've done, also done three in France. The next one, The Woods, which will be out on Netflix, is from Poland. Uh, the, next, the one after that, The Innocents from Spain. I sell a lot of books internationally, so it's something that Netflix uh, wants. The way I kind of look at it is like I wrote a hit single and I performed it and it was a big hit. 
and now uh, people are covering it. It's cover bands. I don't want them to sound exactly the same as me, so I don't like changes. You know, you're mentioning The Stranger it was played in the show by Hannah John Kamen. The book, The Stranger's Mail. And it was actually my idea. I'm like, that's not going to work visually. Having a guy walk in here and talk to him is not going to work visually as well as someone like Hannah John Kamen. So one's a visual medium, one's another, you know, the other ones. But I like the idea of me. I, I'm one of the few, most writers like complain that they're not, they're not doing the exact same as the book. If you want the experience of the book, read the book. TV is different and it should be different. And so I like making those changes. And, that, and part of it is that that's what Netflix wants me for. They want me uh, for the international stuff, you know, to make things overseas. And so it's a good match for both of us. That was a little serious. I apologize. About that's that. Right. Oh, no. that was almost like too we do heavy. all that. I've always had a theory, and you, and you as an author, it's interesting you just said that, but I've always had a theory that a good book will make a good movie if it's a solid all-the-way-around story. Because it, everybody always says the book's better, but I always tell people, I'm like, they're totally different. It's hard to compare the two, and if you can take a good book and make a good movie, it's because the story was good from well, start there's, to there's finish. No saying, there's no saying, I think it was, um, uh, I forget who first was it, they asked, to, they asked to, oh, James Cain, who wrote Postman Rings Twice and Double Indemnity, don't you hate what Hollywood has done to your books? And he said, they haven't done anything in my book. It's right there. My book's still there. So no matter how good or bad it is, it doesn't really change the book. And so when people, and I don't know which way they're insulting or, or, or complimenting me, but if you look on Twitter, you'll see people say, ah, the book was so much better. Ah, the TV show is so much better. I don't care. <laughs> so I'm happy to try them both. Good luck, you know. So when you- yes, they're, both, they're both yours. So when it gets set in the UK, The Stranger, Mm -hmm. I, are there anything with laws or anything that you have to research to see in culture that are totally different than the U.S.? The big thing is guns. They don't have any, no one has guns there, and the cops don't carry guns. A lot of people think in the last scene, without giving anything away, why doesn't the cop have the gun and shoot him or whatever? And like the cops aren't allowed to carry guns. You have to sign it out, go to the police station, have the reason, sign it out. She was rushing there at the end. So that's how, you know, I had to change a little bit how that ending worked because, you know, there's a lot of things like that. But I have a whole team. It's not just me. I've worked with the same people over in the UK as opposed to a book. That's the fun thing about TV is that you have a team. I spent most of my life in this room alone. You know, when you have a success as a book alone, you know, uh, Boy from the Woods just came out. I'm going to hold it up. But so that just comes out and then it does well. I celebrate alone like a tennis player or a golfer. But with the TV series, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm captain of an NBA championship team. I'm Michael Jordan. I'm <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. I'm whoever we're watching this week on The Last Dance. <laughs> hey, and Harlan, you, uh, I don't even think these guys know. You uh, played basketball in college. You got a scholarship. You're, what, 6'4"? Mm-hmm. So you uh, like I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the, all the other authors. Is there one author that could kick your ass even like you? Because you're still fit. <laughs> what, nah. Like, can you think of one? Nah. Yeah, nah, that's what I mean. Really. You've been to all these book like <laughs> conventions, and you see them, and you yeah. size them up, and they're intimidated. They might talk bad about you. You're not yeah. quite as fancy as Kurt Vonnegut or something like that. But yeah. but you know that you could always kick their ass if it came down to that. Well, right? I also now tell them I know a Kurt Vonnegut award winner. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much I've seen a meet with people when I use that now to defend myself? <laughs> Alec Baldwin won that award. Uh, let me... I'll think of some others, but that's fine. Go ahead. Great literary artist, Alec Baldwin. Wow. Yeah, he, yes. he just... 
All these books are amazing. Faulkner. He has crushed me like Dennis Miller. Harlan is. That's no, like, so I'm curious. So you were a good basketball player. Do you feel like your sports background has helped your writing? Like the, your, your, maybe your techniques or, or your passion or way you do things? Well, first of all, I should point out that I wasn't that good of a basketball player. I did play Division Three, and I wasn't All-American. But I leave off of that sentence, though I wasn't picked All-American by Sports Illustrated. I was picked All-American by the Jewish Post and Opinion of Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm a Jewish All-American basketball player. Oh, very nice. No, wait, you're the Jewish All-American <laughs> basketball player. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was five of us. It was me, Heshi Moisha, and two guys from Yeshiva, I think it was. Uh, now, in the 50s, there were a lot of Jewish guys in the NBA. Yeah, they always say that. I, was, I went to college in the 80s, so there wasn't No, many. I know, I know. I'm just saying in the 50s, I always, it was always like when people were talking about basketball in the 90s, and they, had, they said there was a Canadian Basketball Hall of Fame, and I'm like, what is that, Steve Nash in an outhouse? I mean, because that was about it. Now there's a lot of good Canadians. So, okay, yeah, so I you're was, this – go ahead. I was inducted into the New England Basketball Hall of Fame in the scholar-athlete category, which I think is <laughs> for someone who's neither. You know what I mean? Open the scholar-athlete category. Maybe no one will pay attention to either one, and we can kind of sneak him in. I mean, were you a pretty good student? Yeah, I was. I oh, mean – I was not the hardest working student, but yeah, I was, you know, Amherst, I went to Amherst College, with a lot of other writers, but you know, that were there at the same time as I was, including Dan Brown's a fraternity brother of mine. David Foster Wallace lived next door to me. So there was a lot of writers back then. So I was a pretty good student. Yeah. Not the most hardworking. Are you thinking about doing any type of sports thing again? Or is that, is that, past, you know, is that no, your past or, oh, you are. Yeah, I mean, he, those characters have kind of evolved from the – the problem with the sports world, frankly, was women wouldn't read them. Um, right. Until I wrote a book called Tell No One, which was my breakout book, uh, and changed my life sort of overnight. And then they would go back and read them. But really, for years, it was very hard to convince, uh, especially a female reader, or someone who didn't want sports, because they're not really sports book. It's not like Biff scores the winning touchdown in the last scene. <laughs> It was just, a, but it's a great, as we all know, it's a great world to place a story, right? Because people care so much about nothing and there's, and there's wealth and there's drugs and there's all that stuff that goes on. It's a microcosm of society raised to the 10th degree. So I love writing about that. But uh, the sports itself, there was never really those sort of moments. But so it's hard for me, uh, you know, I want to go back and I sort of do it a little bit, but not like it was back in those days. But those books are still out there. So Harlan, when you say you're telling that to a guy, Harlan, that is known for sports impressions. Right. That does more than <laughs> just sports exactly impressions. I, mean, right? I know exactly because they see it coming. And, the, you know, the John Madden 20 years ago or the John Gruden now, it's for a huge part of the audience. It's go right through it. Take note. That's why whenever somebody wants me to do a sitcom, I've had a couple of little deals to do sitcoms. And they're like, well, we want you to be in the sports genre. I go, you're cutting off at least half the audience right there. It's, yeah. I, I want to be my regular self and put me in some other situation that isn't sports and make it uh, draw parallels maybe. But once you're – they got rid of Ray Romano being a sports writer. Nobody cared. It had nothing right. to do sure. with the rest of the story because you, it, didn't, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. But once you tie sports into something, it's a, Norm MacDonald did that sketch show on a Comedy Central with sports show. I think 
aptly, the aptly named uh, sports show with uh, Norm <laughs> McDonald. You know, it's pretty good. We came up with that. We had uh, 12 writers for that one. Um, he always names all his shows are like whatever he does is like stand up comedy special from Norm McDonald starring Norm McDonald <laughs> telling jokes out loud in front of people. <laughs> He does like to explain, doesn't it? Uh, but if you, know, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we have a couple of great sports movies, but for the most part, they bomb. It's very, very tough, even if they're great, to get the sort of that, that sort of audience. Well, George Will said something amazing, and as a baseball fan, it never really got to me until I watched him say it. Somebody said, what's the best baseball movie ever made? He said, there's only one, Bull Durham. So the only baseball movie, it's about baseball. The, the, the story's love affair is baseball, all the other right. stuff's aside. And, and somebody said, Field of Dreams, he goes, that's about a father and a son. Right. Baseball's in it. And he's like, there's one baseball move. That's it. Sure. That's any good. In and a it, pig's poop, that ball's as dry as your granddaddy's scalp. The natural <laughs> number one <laughs> about baseball. Wonder Boy. Yeah, it's amazing, though. But when you, when you think about it, and, and I'm sure as an author, you, you see that it's all – the, the underlying theme of it is baseball. That's what that movie is about, the love of baseball and baseball being the, the story. And yeah. when you look at it, none of the others are about it. It's about people playing baseball or baseball's in it. But you're right, it's hard to write a sports movie that's any good that's actually about the sport. Yeah, and I frankly wouldn't be that interested. I mean, that one's a great movie, but I'm not actually that interested myself when we're sports fans. Because we'll right. also then turn on a game instead, maybe. So it, like I say, it limits the audience. It just limits. In the old days, now you have to watch those movies just to yeah, get your sports to say, to say, I'm about to put on Bang the Drum Slowly and cry like a three-year-old. <laughs> De Niro. Yeah. I'm getting that desperate for sports. Pride of the Yankees. You guys want to do a little Pride of the Cardinals? <laughs> Actually, think of all the sports movies that made you cry. Get, you know, the Gale Sayers, the Brian song. Brian song, number and, one. Uh, that, I mean, that's still the one. Feel the dreams made you cry. Bang the drum slowly. Sure. Cry to the Yankees. Those are like your th top six of ten weepers, and they're all sports. Uh, Tanglefoot, the great Lou Gehrig. Oh, there's so much for Salehi in this audience. <laughs> yeah. <He's laughs> so uh, I'm going to explain that to you quickly, Harlan. When we do references, dated references, we have a, a basically an intern who I met in an airport who recognized me, who works at the Cronkite School, who goes to the Cronkite School of Broadcasting at ASU. And we bring him in near the end to try and uh, bring up all the references he's heard throughout the show that he might not understand for anybody 25, 30 years and under. Uh, and there are quite a few great ones this episode so far. Yeah, what's funny is Frank didn't mention this, but at that airport, Frank was staring at your picture standing next to it going, I know this guy. I know this guy. <laughs> no, I, 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 did, I left that out on purpose, John. Those. those. I didn't know. Uh, it's a little I want to backtrack for a second. Farther with the last dance, and we start getting to the years, and at the Knicks were always losing to the Bulls. I got a feeling, to use an old reference, that Patrick Ewing is going to play the role of Hamilton Berger in Perry Mason. <laughs> <laughs> of the last, the last dance was Perry Mason. Patrick Ewing is going to be the Hamilton Burger of uh, this, of this And isn't it true that you stood in the middle of the lane? And isn't it true when, when Perry Mason would do that? And isn't yeah. it true that I'm sucking all the air out of this courtroom? The best, I've been watching a lot of Perry Mason lately, ironically, for some reason. And my favorite part is that no one back in the – you couldn't get away with this now, Harlan, if you tried to write a book like that about how unbelievably wrong 
the whole system, like people will just stand up in the courtroom and say, well, he's crazy because, and then they just start talking to that guy. And Perry's like, well, why don't you just admit you killed him? And somebody goes, well, I wouldn't have killed him, but I had to. And it's like, well, this, it, the judge never has a job. He just sits there like this until Perry says, somebody stand up and admit it. Don't worry about it. Everybody is an expert, like in everything. So anything that they perceive as a mistake that in the TV show, I can't tell you the comments that I got on The Stranger, most of which were wrong. And people don't get that they're also wrong. Like they watched three episodes of CSI. So they know all about body temperatures and discovering <laughs> how long it takes for a dead body to be found and all. And they're wrong all the time, but they, it doesn't stop them. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like if Perry Mason was airing today to oh. the same crowd that has to point out, well, you know, this couldn't really happen. Well, yeah, it can, but. Yeah. He walks right into everyone's house. He's just a lawyer and he wanders in. He goes, well, I guess we've got a body here. I'm going to go ahead and investigate. I'm the other side's lawyer. lawyer. Do you mind if I talk to you for a little while? Yeah, right. it's, it's, <laughs> Della, write this down. Yeah. <laughs> what is, the, uh, what is the, the responsibility you feel as far as like, crime scene investigation knowledge and getting into luminol and playing that game when you're like, okay, I need to know everything about this before I start writing because I'm afraid people will crush me. I don't, I don't worry about it while I'm writing it. I have an expert look at it. I'll do it afterwards. You know, we oh. do these TV shows. Believe me, there's nothing wrong ever because they have a whole, they run everything by a team. It's actually kind of annoying to me. Sometimes a team is a little too much. So everything that people... People think like in this, in The Stranger, again, not to give anything away, they think in episodes, the, the end episode, they go, oh, well, his body in the woods, they, they know the timing doesn't work. I'm like, if you think the body left in the woods maybe weeks, that they can go to it and say, oh, this person died four weeks ago and on Tuesday between 8 and 9 a.m., you're watching too much CSI. <laughs> so yeah. we actually have people who do all that, and I have people who will go through the book at the end and make sure I didn't screw up. I never stop because research will get you lost. If you do too much research as a writer, you're going to get lost because research is a lot more fun than writing. So right. I'll, I'll use any excuse not to write. So I'll do research instead. I'll say, oh, I'll look this up. I, I'm writing a scene on Fifth Avenue, New York. Oh, I can't write it today because I have to go to Fifth Avenue and smell the hot dog stands and watch. No, no, you know what it's like. Write it now and then worry about the exact details later. Have you ever had a moment where you're writing and you're like, oh, the crux of my whole story may not be scientifically possible and you have to ask somebody? Uh, almost daily, <laughs> but usually, usually it's, uh, I'm just panicking, you know. <laughs> yeah, now, one of the great things about The Stranger is the, the TV Netflix version is the actors. I mean, you had to be like super stoked with some of the people you got. Yeah. And I mean, you got even the guy that was romantic in the Taster's Choice ads. <laughs> uh, look that one up, John. Remember those ads where there was like a couple and they were Files like from Buffy the Vampire Slayers have both. Yeah, Anthony Head. And so I'm watching them. I'm like, where is that guy from? Because I never watched <laughs> Buffy. And I'm like, that's a, that's a Taster's deep Choice. Yes. That's a and deep like, cut reference. That's going to send you a reference guy. Oh, that's a deep oh my gosh. Reference. You got to watch those ads and see them once because you'll be shocked. And, they, and these happened in the 90s. They yeah. were like, it was like a couple, and that was like freeze-dried coffee. I think it was like in, like, so it was terrible coffee. Yeah. But somehow they yeah. concocted these romantic relationship between these two people for like 30 seconds in the yeah. ad. Very great. creepy, but he's great. He's great in the show. And you were not so good in the show, though, Harlan. <laughs> you were quiet, but you were I in it. I stole the scene. Yeah. <laughs> 
there has been Oscar buzz around my yeah. uh, around my performance as silent guy for eight seconds sitting in a chair. <laughs> Weren't you behind a computer? Dicks. If I remember yeah. correctly, you're oh, behind a computer desk. Yes, I'm the, I'm the computer. I'm a computer geek. Don't speak. Don't do anything. I don't hold the phone in my hand. But I, I was brilliant. I don't want to brag, but I. <laughs> I have permission to put my name in the credits so people don't ever shit on you. Like, <laughs> and they know. spin that guy off into his own series now. <laughs> hey, Harlan, there was no no actor that had more of the backstory than you. That's that right. was, fact. <laughs> was that research? Was that a full... <laughs> Did you ask up? the director before? You're like, how do you see my character? <laughs> I was like, totally so I know. We had, we had no idea what we were going to do with me out. We were on set and all of a sudden they said, why don't you, you know, sit here and just do this thing here or whatever. And I sit there and they go, oh, and here's the guy's ID because they had somebody else who was going to do it. But it's a different picture, you know, literally it's to keep in my, in my pocket, but it's a different guy's picture on it. So make sure you keep it. <laughs> like someone's going to see this. On <laughs> it's hilarious how be- into it they kind of get when they're really doing the whole world. It's, it's fun to watch. What would be great is next time you you put on a a a, a bad hairpiece and uh, some dark glasses and go Excelsior and you just show up in all of your uh, <laughs> as, as Stan Lee. I think that would be even more fun. <laughs> I want to go back a couple uh, steps here because this is something that, as you were talking about uh, writing in your mind wandering, do you have the end of the novel set? In the beginning, because you have so many twists, right? And that's that's what I really like. And I saw, I saw some complaints from people, and it's what I loved. But people are like, "Well, this intersects with this, and this intersects with that, and there's no way that could be possible." Which ties in a little bit what you're talking about later. But I'm like, "But that's what makes it so much fun." It's right. not like the movie Congo. Do you remember Congo? That movie <laughs> where like everything sure. went yeah. wrong. Like a Clayton book. Yeah, but in the in the movie, it's like I just spilled something, and then even in uh, Endgame, the the thing that triggers everything is the rat climbing on the computer that starts the van up again to bring Ant Man back, and it's oh, like right. <laughs> there's those. It's the cat in the Wizard of Oz that uh, that goes off and uh, lets the the wizard go off without uh, or, or Dorothy without the which way wizard without Dorothy, but it's. <laughs> It's been a while, guys. I still think in black and white, Chachi. Um, but I love that. I love. But do you know what's what the yeah. end point is at the beginning, or does that come and go? And do you have an outline? That's a. I always tell my kids. My, my daughter, who I told you, figured a big part of it out. Um, the stranger, and she figures she figures a lot of things out halfway through. Um, uh, the uh, what's the I see dead people? What's that movie called? Um, Bernie Sanders story. Um, <laughs> I couldn't remember the name Bernie Sanders the other day. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. yeah. What is the what is sense. The, sense. Yeah, the sixth sense? Juliet goes, that guy's dead. Or like talking about Bruce Willis. Spoiler alert. She goes, he's dead, isn't he? I'm like, no, you've just ruined the rest of your movie. Don't. But she figured out a little part. She didn't have the end, but um. It's one of those things where, where are you going with that? Do you, right. do you have it at the beginning? Do you find a way to get there? Or do you go, huh, I'm going to see. I'm just going to keep adding on and see what happens. I know the ending. Uh, so I know the beginning. So the setup, if this man's going to be hearing this terrible secret about his wife and she's going to disappear. And now how can that be? And I think about that for a long time. So I, 
the, 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 the TV show ending is a little different than the book's ending because I, I wanted to add stuff. So there's extra twists in the TV series than the book. There's no alpaca. There's no, uh, there's no character of Anthony Stewart head. A lot of the characters were added and changed around. The teenagers weren't in the book at all. There's a lot of things that I changed in some relationships. But the very end, what happens about the missing wife and all that is exactly the same. So I know the beginning and the end, I compared to traveling from my hometown in New Jersey to L.A. I may take Route 80, but chances are I'll go via the Suez Canal or stop in Tokyo. But I always end up in L.A. And since I always know the ending, it just it always makes it easier to provide all the twists and turns because I do know where I'm eventually going. It's a little bit like my golf game. Like I could be spraying it all over, but I kind of still know where the hole is. Eventually, <laughs> might be 14 shots, I will get there because I know where the hole is. Well, that's what I need to work on with my question asking. What is the end of the question? <laughs> because <laughs> my questions tend to have a beginning that I could end with. That's what I'm trying to learn from Holmberg. He just asks contrite questions. I... I tend to meander and restate the question four different ways until somebody gets more concise. Contrite about not being concise. It's which okay. is what's contrite me. What did I, what's contrite? Angry. Contrition, like, yeah, kind of, uh, Sorry. yeah. Kind that's of a spoonerism, different. right? I, what, that's spoonerism? I know, I know what they are. Spoonerisms, right? That's a spoonerism. <laughs> when you get the word wrong. I think it was more of a sparkism. Right? <laughs> I call it Archie Bunker. Remember Archie <laughs> is it really a spoonerism? Let's go with Archie Bunker. There's, a, there's another reference that he'll have to go chasing oh, talent. Geez. Archie. <laughs> concise. I confused. Conf love that. Now, now, Harlan, in this world that we're living in right now, yep. every writer probably is going, okay, there's the book, and I'm going to base it in this. Have you thought that way? I mean, because it is the most cataclysmic thing that's ever happened. Not in cataclysmic, uh, Scott. That's <laughs> <laughs> It's taken me 50 episodes to get to correct you. It was so delicious. <laughs> I, uh, actually, I'm the opposite. I, I figure you want me for escape. So yes. you know, I already started a book that I'm going to continue. So I made sure the book is now 2019 or 20. Sure. Early 20, so it doesn't interfere with this. I have no interest right now writing, writing this. Zero. Maybe eventually I will. And, and not to get serious, but similar when 9-11 happened. You know, I live right in this area. We lost a lot of people. And for years, I couldn't touch it in the book. I, did, I just, you know, but it was still there in the background. But it's like writing about the America in the 70s. You may not mention the Vietnam War, but it's probably there in the early 70s. So it's the same kind of thing with this. But right now, zero interest in writing about this. But you do I'm take little pieces. These crazy people who are watching pandemic movies. I know. What, you have enough in your own life? Oh, but each his own. You do take little pieces, though, because I, uh, I was uh, – the Boy from the Woods, a little passage in there, there was a, a part about them recording things going on in the dressing rooms and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, I thought immediately, that sounds like Donald Trump doing on the, you know, the NBC thing. And then a few sentences later, it's a politician who's caught in there, rusty something. And I'm right. like, uh, did that, come, that came from truth, right? Yeah, I take yeah, I take whatever I see, and you know, I, I, my books are also very current. So whatever's going on in the world is going to show up in the books usually. So it's going to be a new, you know, th again, this book that I'm writing now that won't be a problem. But when I finish this book, it'll be interesting to see what I try to write next. Because um, also we don't know, like we don't know what next month is going to be like. We don't know what six months is going to be like. We have, I guarantee, whatever people are predicting is going to be wrong because they're always wrong. No one predicted that we'd all be 
on these things all the time. No one predicted that a man would set himself on fire in Algeria and start the quote-unquote Arab Spring. No one predicted Trump would win. No one predicted any of this stuff. No one. One person predicted it. (laughs) Donald. (laughs) Does technology ever throw you? When When I was working on developing a sitcom with somebody, Technology and comedy ruins everything because people can just text each other and ask questions now. Like it used to be everybody had secrets. Nobody could see anything. How do you get around that? I didn't even, I didn't think about it. You use the technology to your advantage in the stranger. I love that. Yeah. Maybe it's something that makes comedy more difficult, but can make drama better. Now, it could make, you have to, there's got to be a way of making comedy better with it. I mean, that's how it was. It was a challenge. In the old days, remember those old movies you would see in black and white and someone would be calling on the phone, he'd be watching the phone ring. Oh, please, answer, answer. And the phone would be ringing and they couldn't reach the person. Well, that, that's unrealistic. So when the phone started, everybody started carrying around these things, a lot of writers complained, oh, I can't use that device anymore. Yeah, you got to come up with a new one. You got to come up with something else and something Different. If you and I, if you're going out on a date with somebody tonight, you're going to Google their name. Everyone does it. If you didn't, it would be unrealistic. So does that ruin the story or can I use that to enhance the story? And the key is to make use it to enhance the story. I find that when I'm going to go on a date with someone, my wife tends to Google her name. It ruins everything. Checking your, checking yeah, your you should person. watch this show then because that has uh, some of the elements of what oh, yeah. Harlan hits on. You know, what I was one of my favorite things about The Stranger is do we need all the information that we think we need? And there's a real ethical thing on that. Um, you know, there have been people's lives that have been wrecked online. Uh, and that was the undercurrent that I thought was a great moral to this. Do we really want to know everything that we know? Like Black Mirror does that in a way every episode, but I feel like it's, I don't know if it always feels real. It feels more Twilight zone where this just felt like people I know that are, their secrets are being released and um, it felt so real that you could, you're like, oh my gosh, there's, I've got one of those. I mean, I'm guessing that's part of what you were trying to get at in the book and in the series is we all have one or in John's case, 10 that he doesn't care about because John is an open book and, and he's already proved it with his Pornhub history discussing it on the air. Um, If you don't know about this, to cut you off for a second, Scott, and continue, he, John actually opened up his phone to his porn on his phone, had me read them all as John Madden, all the, all the <laughs> read, re, most recently watched stuff. <laughs> and I'm going, this is stuff I don't want anybody to know about me. You know, grandmother in bed with great-grandfather. Like, what do you want? What is this? He's like, no, we all <laughs> seen some of it. I don't know. Even if I have, I'm not admitting it at this point. <laughs> I love that. Here's, Holmberg would ruin the stranger. I've got a secret. No, no, uh, you don't. There's no secrets. Is no. it about? Uh, <laughs> is it about the hooker? Yeah. Oh, you mean she? Okay. Yeah, I knew that the whole time. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like when I can. Uh, I actually, I tend to accidentally figure stuff out. The sixth sense. I leaned over to a guy and I said, "I think he's dead." And somebody said the one we were talking about, and I and the guy goes, "Yeah, I don't know." And then in the end, he looks. He goes, "You ruined it." And I'm like, "How did I ruin it? It was a shot in the dark." I I just had a thought, and I and I didn't mean to. 
like I'm the, I'm the worst at figuring things out. Again, my brain starts writing its own show and I'm like confused beyond both. I'm a huge Better Call Saul fan and the details and what's going on in that show to Breaking Bad makes me admire writing so much because the attention to detail for what you're doing uh, and, and, and turning it into that TV show and then just, and, and knowing people are going to remember the, the subtle detail of episode one to episode four and say, no, you didn't intersect those properly. It's just got to be uh, just, it's got to wear you, wear you out beyond belief. Yeah, it's also pretty cool. <laughs> there is that. The thing about Netflix, you know, Netflix, they press a button and 190 countries get all eight episodes. I'm, I go to bed, I literally wake up in the morning and there's comments on all, people watched all eight episodes. Part of it's sad it's over for me that quickly, but the amount of people that watch shows on Netflix, Crazy. You know, the numbers, I'm, I'm not allowed to reveal them, but the numbers are staggering of how many people watch these particular shows. And of course, they don't even know how many because if you did it, how many people is your household? How many people have, you know, your, have your kids given the code to? How many people per account? You just have, uh, you have no idea in many ways. It's a, it's a fa Netflix is a fascinating business. The other thing that's cool, this is an insider's thing on Netflix you guys might like. Have you ever noticed that the poster changes for the show you're watching? Like sometimes you'll put on The Stranger and you'll see The Stranger. Sometimes you'll put it on, you'll see a house. Sometimes you'll put it on, you'll see the male lead. They constantly, they, we have about, I think, close to 20 different images that we are changing depending on your algorithm and how you react. So if you don't react to it, we're going to change that one. If we notice you're watching a lot of kids shows, we'll probably put the teen people who will be on your poster. I don't know how they figure it out, but wow. it's weird, that whole algorithm stuff. Have you ever noticed that though? Like the poster changes for I, certain- Yeah, and I think I've heard somebody talk about it, but I don't want to see what comes up as John's poster for you. <laughs> well, it depends on who's interested, you know? <laughs> That's, true. That's it. It's not going to be a picture of me, but it's a picture of something I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> who do you, what do you who do you enjoy or what do you enjoy watching right now? Are there not much other than my own stuff? I'm just promoting in my <laughs> stuff. I'm not really interested. Smart, smart. Okay, promoting. I'm loving like you guys. I'm loving the last. I didn't. I guess I didn't love the first episode. I was get. I was a little worried this wouldn't be for me. But I'm I'm so into it. I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it's well done. I don't know if we're just desperate for anything involving. Sports, and I love that era of basketball. I was a big Celtics bird fan. I love that. All those, the bad boys. I, you know, I want to make it the 10 episodes on the bad boys now. Yeah. What do you think of Ken Burns saying that it's bad journalism because you gave Michael Jordan final edit of this entire thing? He came out today and said, that's not a real documentary if you've got one guy who can say, I want to change the details of that because it makes me look bad. First of all, the, the, the docu-series are nonsense anyway. They're never, I mean, did you watch, you guys all watch, I'm sure, The Tiger King? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, not to knock the, the but it's not a documentary. You know, no. it was, it was, first of all, it's actually very America, right? Like, he's Donald Trump, and everyone loves him, even though, no matter what, he does awful. And Carol is kind of Hillary, like, right? She totally is. By doing totally. good, but she's annoying <laughs> us. Right. So we immediately buy, like Vince Foster, people are immediately buying that she killed her husband, even though there's no evidence for it. It's all right. very interesting, but it's not a documentary, it's a docu-series. I think there's a big difference. 
Um, they, I don't think they're trying to do what he did, but I, I do love, I think that, but I don't know Michael had full, I, I, I mean, this is the first time I think I've ever seen Michael Jordan like this. Would you guys agree with that? I love that's it. Why, I yeah. think that's why he's saying that, though, because Michael had to get kind of final cut on a lot of this for him to be involved because he wouldn't do it otherwise. Right. Right. So um, you are talking about you don't watch really anything but your own stuff. Okay, this ties <laughs> into my next question. Okay, so The Stranger is by far the most successful of the three, correct, that you put out? You can't get into the details, but that one's one people are talking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other ones, yeah. The other ones were – one wasn't Netflix show. Netflix just bought it. It was a show in Britain. One, okay. and the second one was sort of a, a combined – but, yes, yeah, so the three – a safe was – uh, kind of a combined with Netflix and a French company. So this is the right. first pure Netflix. But yes, it's done. we're very happy with how it's done. But go ahead. I'm and sorry. now, like, my uh, sister-in-law loves The Stranger, and she's like, oh, you have to watch Safe. Right. And I watched it. She was like, I heard about Stranger, so I went to Safe. It, to me, it's almost like Cheap Trick put out a couple albums and nobody listened to them much. And then they came out with Budokan, and everyone was like, we got to revisit these albums. To me, that's almost like what's going on with Safe. Yeah, I had to my books too. My tenth book was my first New York Times bestseller. Wow! So then everybody went back and read the early ones. So I assume it's the same actually with all of your careers. But somebody will find you know Frank's Jeff Goldblum, and all of a sudden, then they'll take a deep cut and say, "Whoa, this guy's done a lot of." cool impressions in the past don't they yeah i think that does True. happen quite a bit where they 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 hear you they see something new and then they go i want to i want to research this person and find out a, a little bit more about them couple couple last questions on the the stranger um mm-hmm. when you're i'm sorry you involved and it's going to sound like a loaded question because i now i realize one of the um <laughs> one of the tweets that you made fun of me are you auditioning for me i'm not asking for me here uh, the, are you involved in that casting? Because you show run and everything. So you get, you get Richard Armitage and you get this whole group. You're just ecstatic about that group. I mean, that's, yeah. you're, you're there all along the way. I probably watched 300 audition tapes for that show. Right. For the, I mean, Richard Armitage didn't audition and certain other people and Siobhan Finneran, who I've been a fan of for years from Downton Abbey and Happy Valley and some other shows. She was a villain in Downton, in Downton Abbey for years, which you guys probably haven't watched, but it's a fun show. Um, so it was, it mo- the lead people, no, we mostly picked, but the other ones, and yeah, I had, I had approval or I spoke to them. In the case of one, I actually wrote them a personal letter to try to get her to, to do the show. And we did safe when Michael C. Hall had only done Dexter and Six Feet Under. When I heard it was a possibility that he would do safe, I was in Europe at the time. I flew into London just to have lunch with him. Um, to talk to him about it. So yeah, it's part of it's part of the thing. It's a big part of 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 what we do. We as you know, it's a team. It's not all my decision, but I do a final say, and I can nix anybody or try to add anybody. To much. backtrack on that too, when you're playing your character in uh, The Stranger, and the director tells you your character wouldn't do this, do you turn to him and go, "Yes, he would." <laughs> he method actor. He yeah. holds it in his right hand, damn it, not his left. <laughs> I actually want to be the uh, I want to be the guy behind the desk in the uh, in the reboot. 
And so you're already planning a reboot for I something re- that's huge on Netflix right now. Yeah, everything gets rebooted now. Why wouldn't we have a reboot yeah. of this? Like a, something. I just want to, I'll just you be guy behind planet it. of the stranger. The secret. Yeah. <laughs> the stranger revisited. <laughs> Scott, did you have anything else on this? Cause I want to get to the audio. Yeah. Part. I mean, the, the, I guess now that, I, you know, before you wrote for whatever, 20, 25 years without having a TV show. Um, now when you write, does that impact you thinking visually a little more or not? I, it sounds phony, but not even a little bit. I've, I've learned quickly that it's the kiss of death. If you try to write a book saying, this is going to make a great movie, it's going to make a great TV series, it's the kiss of death. A book's a book, TV show's a TV show. So the fast answer to that is no, not at all. And the same cool. thing with TV. I don't worry about what it would be like as a book. So I'm listening to the... Uh, um, the boy from the woods right now. And that actually, as after I trained my mind to get into it a little bit, I am, the way you tell the story is just great at revealing little bits of information at a time. I guess that's basic storytelling, but for me not having read a book and in, in forever, you know, they tell you that the big red dog is Clifford at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just realized how pathetic. I, uh, turns out curious George actually is curious about stuff. <laughs> Who knew? So Steven Weber, um, and he's the actor from Wings, correct? Yes. He's the guy who played the Hackett brother, the younger Hackett brother in Wings. Yeah, he's very good. And I notice his voice is a little bit um, similar to, do you know the actor Patrick Fabian? Yes. Better Call Saul. And if you ever, I'm just giving you another choice for a person to read an audio book that isn't one of us. Um, (laughs) But Patrick, I know I always found, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to get it, but uh, because the next bit's going to sound like we're trying to audition for it with other famous people. You can probably figure out what it is. Um, but Patrick Fabian is fantastic. And I was listening to the cadence of Steven Weber. And actually, because my mind tends to wander, I'm listening at, at a one and a quarter speed a little bit faster. And it's, he's very Patrick Fabian sounding. So maybe you wouldn't want somebody who sounds similar, but what a great voice, and he's really, really good. I'm enjoying that so far. Just I, this obvious question. Have you thought about have – you, have you ever tried doing audio? Part of the audio book is breaking up the different voices so people – I did one once. It was the worst thing ever. But <laughs> it's not to break up the voices so they don't all sound alike. You'd be obviously a natural at that part. You, you know what, Harlan? I've never thought of anything like that at all. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly two in your wheelhouse. I don't know. Yeah. People always ask me that like with uh, animation. Right. And I'm ter- I, I might be better now. But when I first went to L.A., I didn't know anything about acting. I didn't. I would read off the paper and be terrible. I went and did an episode of Phineas and Ferb and a couple of other things, little parts. And they were making fun of me because I was like a beaten child. I'm like, is this okay? This, they're like, why, why are you so worried about everything you do? And I go, because my first, I got thrown into the mix in LA. I went to LA with 40 impressions, went into people's offices and they started offering me money and development deals, but had no idea what to do with me because I, I just was a powerhouse of impressions, which is, you can only do so much with that. But you go in and they tell you, okay, now do it as Al Pacino, but he's going to have a little bit of Mrs. Garrett in him from, the, from different strokes. <laughs> and I want her to be a little older and now add some DMX to it. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, we have 10 people who can. So thanks for stopping in. Mr. Caladino, is it? Uh, <laughs> really appreciate it. Uh, I heard you do a Charles Barkley. Enjoy that. Um, 
but uh, so to get to get uh, I, for me, I don't know. I don't know if I'd even be good at it. But we're gonna do. We're gonna have some fun with. Uh, well, Harlan, Harlan, do you get to direct that as it's written? Uh, no. no. In fact, uh, Weber. Uh, you know, I worked with Weber on and off for twenty years. He's done my, some of my audios for twenty years, um, and he likes to not read it before. They first of all, you do a hundred takes on it. They, yeah. they stop you every two seconds. It's very very hard because you have to speak this slowly you know so anyway he actually will he likes a surprise in his voice toward the end and so he doesn't read the ending until he actually starts doing it but he creates the characters in in his own way too for you know there's a character in his book hester crimstein and his way of doing hester was he i said to him you know I said you know he did a good job with it because i just i sort of did howard stern doing an impression of his mother like, I'm doing an impression of Howard Stern doing an impression of his mother. And he has quick thoughts like that that he just tries to keep in his head, I think, as he does it. By the way, Hester Krimstein, uh, a, a, a gifted mimic, as you say in the book, I believe, something like that. I thought, if you'd oh, known, yeah. known about me early enough, maybe. <laughs> it's funny, one of my first job. A 70-year-old Jewish woman from New Jersey. <laughs> my that's, first that's, job your new, uh, that's your new character on this show, Frank, when you uh, hit a Impression. I'm just going to go, nice job, Hester. <laughs> first, my first job in broadcasting was reading uh, on a, they used to have a radio station called Sun Sounds. And uh, I was young and they just said, uh, give this a try, go down there and do it. And it was reading the newspaper to blind people who had this service. And uh, because I do a bunch of the voices too. So they're like, you read these things and I'm doing the voices like, you know, uh, not thinking as I'm reading it, you know, Henry Kissinger does this and this, and then I do the quote as Kissinger or whatever. And then they're like, you need to read the comics. So I started to read the comics and this guy busts in the door. It was hilarious. And he goes, stop with the voices already. Just read it to them. <laughs> so, the, so I'm scared to death. And I'm sitting there going, Beetle Bailey says, oh, geez. And so, wait, so you started reading it as, you started reading it as Woody Allen? Yeah. Oh, geez. I, well, there were several people that I thought maybe Woody was in the service. But I was dying because the guy made me so afraid to try anything that every voice was the same. I don't know, those poor fucking blind people had to sit there that day and just go, what's going on with Cassie? All of her workmates sound exactly like Cassie today. It was horrifying. So I, I, when somebody directs you on reading other things, you gotta be great at it. Stephen Weber has to be amazing to do that because that is not easy. Hard to keep track I did it once, it was really hard. But you have to keep, you know, also have to keep track because you're changing the voice for each character, and all of a sudden, like, oh wait, that's not the one I gave a southern accent to. Right. I got to redo it all over again. Anyway. All right. Have you had somebody who wrecked one of your books? You don't have to name their name, <laughs> but is there one audio book? Because we have a guy on the podcast who wrecks the podcast all the time. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I don't. Sure hasn't really been me this episode. I've been killing it. I, I hate. Go ahead. I go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't listen to them. So I, I, oh, you don't I, listen to I them? I listen for a minute or two to make sure the voice works. I haven't listened. I'm going to listen for 15 hours to my own book. I already know the whole story. What <laughs> gonna, uh, yeah, there's all, no all surprise I, in your I voice. I was doing it one time, so I'm doing the audio, and I'm reading. I'm like, I'm reading it. Oh, my God, that line sucks. Can I change that? No, the book's printed? Damn. So <laughs> I, to, I still want to change things, so I'm not going to listen to it. I, one, I, one more boy, uh, boy from the Woods question. There's a girl named Darla in there. Is that a current name? That just threw me. I've, Crash and Dash and Darla. 
And when I heard Darla, uh, was that a was that a, a Little Rascals voice? Was there a Darla on Little Rascals? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the only other time I ever heard the name Darla. <laughs> sometimes the characters, sometimes the characters are people actually who pay. So what I do is sometimes I can't think of character names. I have an auction thing where if somebody donates a certain amount of money to a charity, I'll use their name as a character in a book. It won't be like Ooh. you. I don't care, you know, what you do, what, what you're like. I may make you a crack whore. You know, you're <laughs> that but people buy the names i don't remember how i came up with darla okay all right well here was the fun little thing we wanted to do i um uh, like i said i I did buy the book um and then i uh made an illegal copy of a uh, a page and sent it to john so he could do some voices i just did if this is okay with you because i did i should have checked this with you before but i took from chapter two Oh, wait, um, chapter two. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> you had my heart just dropped there. I was like Dennis Miller not being able to think of a simile for a second. I mean, that's like. Uh... <laughs> so, uh, were there, is there any? Uh, we could just start reading because I thought who would be people you might like to hear reading these? Richard Armitage during the movie or during the during the Stranger, actually at moments angles of his face looks a lot like Liam Neeson. There were moments of that. I thought maybe- My son Liam- said that. My son yeah. thought, he's like, wow, he looks like Liam Neeson. I'm like, well, he kind of looks like Hugh Jackman to me. Yeah. And I'm there like, are moments where he looks a lot like Hugh Jackman too. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, what a horrible life this guy lives. <laughs> you know, if you look like those two guys, I've never looked in the mirror and thought, I look a little bit like uh, Hugh Jackman here. I, I never- no, Yeah, I get, hey, Jack Black, fat guy from the Fat Burger commercial. <laughs> I get Squidward. John gets Harlan Coben. You know, John always gets Harlan I get Fester from the old uh, Adams family. We- <laughs> that, <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Well, come on. Don't do that. That's mean to all bald guys. That's almost, I think that's I don't got to be on again, John. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. Good point. I'm going to be crushed. That was on. just him saying, I'm not ever coming on again, John. <laughs> Sorry. Do what you guys thought. Whatever it, moves. We just throwing it out there. I just thought there would be fun, you know, like a Pacino. The I'm, hipster. A, I'm a fan, so I want to just hear the voices. Guys. Yeah, here we go. The hipster pundit said this guy should be in prison. No questions asked. Is it weird to hear something like that? That's <laughs> cool. Hey, 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 on live television, Hester Krimstein, huh? She was about to counterpunch. <laughs> oh, she did. Get to it, Bobby. They told me to read this slowly, huh? Read, <laughs> read the script slowly when she spotted what looked like. Get to it, Bobby. Your grandson in a peripheral vision. What everybody, and Scott said this, I, I think it was Scott, maybe it was John. Morgan Freeman's always perfect. It was hard yeah. to see through the studio, studio lights. We're going to edit that. <laughs> Try that again, Morgan, if you don't mind. Take two. I'll do it when I'm ready, Sonny. (laughs) It was hard to see through the studio lights, but it sure as hell looked like Matthew. Whoa, strong words. And I thought this would be a much more fun segment than it is. (laughs) Does it sound like an awesome book? (laughs) I'm going to have Toledo put the music underneath. Yeah. I'm thinking a really bad author could hire Morgan Freeman and he would make the book seem good. Is that possible, Harlan? Do you think it's possible? For Morgan Freeman, yeah. 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 John's not so. even jumping in. John doesn't even want to be a part of this. John's suggestion, <laughs> John's suggestion was this. 
read the passage as Donald Trump because he he would just start doing whatever he wanted to during the. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, strong words. I've got some even better words. I don't know what Harlan was thinking during this. This is about 5% of what I would have been doing. And the show's host, once cute prepster, whose main debate technique was to freeze a baffled expression on his face, which is probably what Bill Maher does. Bill Maher could not contain me. No chance, no abilities. Any, free, okay. Any response, Hester? Hester Prynne comes to mind. I'm seeing a giant letter on her, on her breast, which, by the way, is a tremendous <laughs> I just cracked myself up. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I tried. I'm enjoying you doing that, Frank. I'm not jumping in. I'm just going to watch uh, you do it. Well, I, I... John, who's your best? Come on, John. I want to... Well, give, give him some... I, I've been hearing all about John. He's been built up the whole yeah. show. Yeah. I know. That's why I don't want to do it now. I've been built up. <laughs> no, I think uh, Liam, the, Liam would be great. Liam, but it's going to be because the subject matter and Liam together. But Liam will do voices where it would be... Uh, let's see. I've got my landscapers here. They're driving me crazy. Evidently, there's a leaf glued to the ground right outside this window. But so this Liam Neeson would do this. Uh, Matthew's appearance. It had to be him. Had thrown her. Hester? Not a good time to let the mind wander, she reminded herself. Focus. You're gross, Hester said. Pardon? You heard me. All his voices are the same, so he's never good all but. She aimed her notorious withering gaze at hipster pontins. Uh, Release the Kraken! <laughs> Release the Kraken. <laughs> you do Bernie Sanders trying to read some of this. Oh, go for it. All right, hold on. <laughs> I gotta get the second page. Where is it? Uh, yeah, the Bernie thing's coming up. Uh, like, he might be back, so I might have to, I might have to hang on to this one. Uh, so I asked, why is Matthew here? Uh, her grandson had, had never come to her work un unannounced before. So, uh, not to her office or, her, or the courtroom, uh, not even the studio. Uh, Care to elaborate? <laughs> they do it together. It's a debate. Uh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Care to elaborate, Prepster host asked? God. This guy can't even read. Let me explain something to you, Bernie. I don't like to read it ahead of time because I like to be surprised at the end. I'm very <laughs> Stephen Weber. While I'm in the middle of this, I want to say I, I, I don't agree that Holland charges people for these books. I think it would be better if everybody in America got one for free. I think that's the route Holland should go rather than living in his giant mansion, writing books for all the money that he sleeps in at night. And I don't think that's fair to the person who can't write. But that's just me. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not the one bragging about my landscaper outside the house. Uh, but the landscaper, <laughs> uh, he, does it, uh, he does it for uh, free because my house has been uh, paid for by the people of the neighborhood. Uh, everything I do is legitimate. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deep reference here. Oh, I'm sorry, Harlan. Go ahead. No, it's all right. I just, you know, no. kind of an interesting flex to go with the landscaper, but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> my, my favorite flex. My Here's favorite the thing, Harlan waited the whole time. He put an hour of an episode waiting for this great stuff, his words to be read by all these great impressions wow. and celebrities, and, and I blew it. I completely <laughs> blew it. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Oh, no, yeah. my favorite piece of uh, info I found out, Harlan was, you were not only friends, but you went to school with Chris Christie. Is that correct? We actually, this sounds weird, we were inducted into the Little League Hall of Fame together what? five years ago. We've came, we went to Williamstown. We got to throw out the first pitch to Japan. I threw out to Japan. 
He threw it out to California. Isn't it Williamsport? Williamsport? Not to be contrite. I'm sorry. Is it, it's Williamsport, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah the, baseball wasn't in, invented in 1600 in Williamsburg. So Williamsburg, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah, I, you're right. I was there, so I should know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not, Chris, Chris Christian played Little League Baseball together when we were 10. His father was our coach. And somehow, wow. so weird, Little League contacted us because they realized two, at least one famous, one quasi-famous person were on the same team and asked the, said we were going to get inducted together, even though you know, I said we sucked, really. We weren't very good. <laughs> but, it was, but it was really – so they found, like, the original things that our parents had filled out in 1972. Wow. I don't know how they found all that stuff, but they, all, they have it all in – Your, fake, sport, your fake birth certificate? Your, your Danny Almonte <laughs> birth certificate? Danny Almonte. Yeah, how come this twelve-year-old six-four? Because yeah, he's <laughs> was Chris the catcher. Come on, let's 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 be honest. He was the catcher, right? Was the catcher. Frank was the catcher. Frank was a good a good catcher too. I can see Chris Christie. Maybe Chris Christie recently followed me because of you. That might be why. In the last like six months, he's followed me. But I picture Chris Christie with the hot dog behind the plate. He's Engelbert through the catcher's mask. He is Engelbert. Yeah. All right, let's bring Salehi in. Uh, he's got, he's yeah. got a bunch of references. Rudy Stein, lean into it. Rudy you get hit by the pitch, Stein. <laughs> I need you to get hit by a pitch. And listen to me, God damn it. That's a good Walter Matthau right there. <laughs> so, oh, he's so a talent. I told today. you. He's so just been saving it. That is. All right, Sean Salehi has entered. Homer Simpson was originally was Walter yeah, Matthau. Yeah, you watch the early episodes, and Dan Castellanet is just doing – old uh, uh, Walter Matthau lines actually like just kind of it's great to watch that's a neat one that Homer Simpson totally evolved that is an amazing voice different person he he and Bart switched roles basically I've never seen two characters switch so much yeah that's true Sean Salehi Salehi go you're in he's our uh, fake intern of the Cronkite School for Broadcasting did you have a, a high level question to ask uh, high level question. No, actually the Williamsport one was really interesting because I did read about his background in sports and I was going to ask if there was any other sports that he was in, into other than basketball. So that kind of answered that question was with the baseball. Little league. Yeah. He's a big yeah. league. <laughs> I, I would say, uh, I, I mean, love yeah, that your journalism stopped there, Soleil. <laughs> yeah, and here's the other thing. It's a sports journalism major. It, it kind of yeah. dies after that. Uh, follow up, though. See how loud on. Scott's laughing right now? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I'm how, how, uh, how long is the – because, like, in baseball, if you don't get inducted into Hall of Fame after a few years, it has to go to, like, a veterans committee. <laughs> there, is there a Little League veterans committee that got you guys in 30 years later? <laughs> that is so oh, good. That's so funny. It's hilarious because it was, it was literally like uh, – there's only Chris and I were like the 46th and 47th person put into the Little League Hall of Excellence. And we go up there like Oral Hershiser's doing the announcing. And I'm literally saying to him, like, you almost are a Hall of Famer as a baseball <laughs> player. <laughs> I got it. But, you're, you're, you know, you're almost there if you keep working and you, and, and you try hard. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was actually it was, a, it, was a, it was the weirdest weekend because we go up there for the – World Series game, and, and, you know, Chris and I are sitting there, and they call us out in the field. We make, like, a 30-second speech, and we're throwing a baseball out, and they're like, Chris goes to me, do you want to throw to Japan or California? I'm like, I'm never going to run for president. I'll throw to Japan. (laughs) (laughs) And Chris needed to have those American kids because the Japan kids would have looked really small next to him. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's not make this about race, Ahmed. Sorry. Just uh, I'm in the mode. Sean, go. All right, Sean, you got some uh, a question one, or references. What are you going with? First one is Perry Mason. That one. <laughs> you don't know who Perry Mason is? Of course not. They're making a new one on HBO. You'll find out in a few months. Okay. A new one with Matthew Reese, I think it is, on, on HBO. Ooh, so you'll find the out. greatest defense attorney of all time. And his nemesis, as Harlan pointed out earlier, was Hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who never won me, a case. Never, no, oh, I thought Perry Mason lost one. Yeah, I think, he, it, it, I think there is one. I've never but not seen. the Hamilton Burger. I think that was... Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's when, on when right now. Show? When was That's this? Amazing. Oh! <laughs> it's, it's on literally, It's literally on right now. Yeah. I, did a bit, I did a bit years ago because Raymond Burr was in... I, uh, I'm not sure if it was the original Godzilla or a remake, but uh, it was him... Uh, cross-examining Godzilla. <laughs> isn't it true that you breathe fire on the people of Tokyo? <laughs> and isn't it true? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sean. Taster's choice. <laughs> just, just what? bad. Co- like, a, like, was Brim another coffee? Fill it to the Brim. Yes, Brim, Sanka. Back in our day, you had these freeze-dried coffees. You would just stick, you would spoon it in, and you would put hot water in. And I think it came from the space race, right? Like the space race had all that stupid shit the astronauts did, and it was a good way to sell it to America. Like the astronauts love freeze-dried coffee and tang. And then we started to suck up this garbage because we thought NASA made it, but it was crap. No choice. This is your choice. Why don't you try it at home? You have plenty of choices. We have a new vaccine from Space Force. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> Spacer's choice? Spacer's choice. So. Congo was the next one. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> that was, but that was around the time of Jurassic Park, all the disaster movies. But Congo was a movie where thing, thing after thing had to go wrong, and it did. It was and silverback gorillas, I believe. Michael Crichton wrote Jurassic Park. Michael Crichton wrote both Michael. books. Right. And the drama strain and sphere. He was a great writer. Yeah, yeah drama strain's a really great book. And yeah, great yeah. book. And people forget he's behind ER. Yep. Yeah, it's a TV show that ran forever. It was huge. Yeah, that was his. Finally, uh, Archie Bunker. What? Oh, see, this is what I mean. Oh. You, they just you did. Re- Jim- what? Why don't you get out of here, meathead? <laughs> right down the toilet with this one, huh? <laughs> oh, jeez. What are you doing over there, Shalahi, over there in your little uh, right, dormitory, right, huh? Right. Why don't you get a Google? Unbelievable. You don't know Archie Bunker? Who is it? Are you, are you like, like, I mean, yes. When, when was... When it doesn't was, matter. When was World War II? You weren't alive for that, and you know about it. TV oh. show All the Family, maybe one of the five greatest TV shows in yeah. history. Back yeah. when Bill, television Bill was Bill done Funny. like a Rob play. Rob Reiner was in it, too. You know who Rob Reiner is? No. I'm going he directed a lot of movies, you know. Okay. Stand By Me? Uh, a Few Good yeah. Men. Stand By Me, of course. Okay. Directed. Okay. And uh, look at, watch him on Twitter. Huge Trump fan. that would be funny reading rob reiner tweets as donald trump that would get me destroyed there john you can do it (laughs) i'll do it i I know you would (laughs) that's it that's all you had yeah 
The one yeah, I, yeah. You know who Danny Almonte was? I must have missed that one. Yeah, no. you're not listening to me. That's the thing. <laughs> Danny Almonte was like the 25-year-old uh, Tom's River, New Jersey, I think he played for. Think uh, so. they, they, they won the Little League World Series later. They find, found out he should have been in college already. Yeah. Well, he turned pro the next year, which was pretty much a dead giveaway. <laughs> That's when you know. <laughs> That's when you know. Yeah. Uh, well, Harlan, any questions for us? Because this was awesome. You were, uh, yeah, a, this, is, this is a big deal for us. I really I appreciate I, I, I it. I want to turn the tables and interview you guys at some point about how you come up with your characters and how you start doing the voices. But uh, um, this has been great. I loved every moment. Of it. This is a lot oh. of yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was, this was incredible. And uh, the, the Boy from the Woods is now available. Uh, Netflix is The Stranger, Safe, The Five. Um, and you put you, uh, my name in the search engine, it'll all pop up. Yeah, and The Woods is coming. Cool. Woods is awesome. Coming. Yeah. There's a, yeah there's, there's a few things that'll pop up if you put your name in there and a couple of... <laughs> and I do like to say I resonate with the idea that uh, he watches his own stuff. Because even on YouPorn, I only watch my own stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> when did you turn into Scott? What just happened? Oh, I know he's doing jokes. I love it. You, you, Come on. you Homer... You went Homer to Bart. That's that's what's happened here. It's the landscapers, isn't it? It's, it's the leaf dri- Honestly, they're they're driving me insane. I'm sorry. We can't hear it. I can. Oh, you guys hear it? It's so loud. Yeah. So yeah, here's Salehi. What's a landscaper? No, <laughs> I know. I know what a landscaper. Is. Groundskeeper Willie. What? <laughs> Who? Uh, that's what. Sean once told us that he watches. He doesn't watch The Simpsons actively, and uh, and I was like, what do you? Would you watch it passively? How do you? <laughs> how does that work? All right, Harlan, and people can follow you at Harlan Coben on yeah. the various forms of social media, or the Instagram machine, or the Facebook machine, or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Harlan. Pleasure, man. Thanks, guys. It's Thank great. you, Harlan. Really Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Thank you. All right, how do I get out of here? There we go. <laughs> I'm getting out. Don't worry. I like how he narrates his way out.